Hello and welcome back. It's time for Say What, where we hear from those connected to the industry about what's going on in our world of electrical apprenticeship. And this includes the topics that you have suggested to us. So please, please, please keep those coming. I am your host, Cindy Sandifer, and I'm joined by Todd Stafford, our executive director here at the Electrical Training Alliance. Today, I'm so excited. Today, we have the 2022 IBEW Our Power Instructor and Apprentice of the Year. I'm curious, why do you teach? I really am. I'm like, like, what made you decide to do that? Honestly, I teach because it's an opportunity for me to give back. Uh, I, I benefited so much from this program and uh, they asked me to teach and I, I jumped at it. I, I said, sure. Uh, I was a young journeyman. I was pretty much just out of my time and uh, thought uh, I, it just was a, a great opportunity. So uh, true story. I, I didn't even know that I got paid to do it. They asked and I said, yes. And uh, at the end of the first month, uh, somebody had said, don't forget to put your time in. And I, I honestly didn't even know what he was talking about. So it was a really pleasant surprise that I get paid to do this. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I can't say that teaching comes naturally to me. So sometimes it really takes me out of my comfort zone. So I had to get over my, my fears and uh, being in front of people and being, uh, you know, you have to kind of be uh, accepting of yourself and willing to make mistakes. But it really was my drive to help the, uh, the program. And it was really an honor to be asked. So I uh, wanted to be able to give back. Yeah, that's, that's admirable to remember because I can be totally selfish and admit to myself when I was asked to come back and teach when I topped out as well. It wasn't a give back. I, was, I didn't have that mentality. It should have been in maturity. It wasn't in my mindset at the time to come back and do it. I can see why you've done it, and that's perfect. I'm glad you, you're perfect in the answer and what you did it for. I just couldn't do that. I just wasn't that person at the time. So It's healthy to see somebody have that, that growth. I love that. I was actually 28 when I got into the program. I had, uh, I really didn't know about an apprenticeship. So I went that traditional route. I went to college first and uh, bad timing. I majored in print media. So I thought that I was going to write for the newspaper and uh, that obviously didn't work out very well. So I uh, ended up having to find something else. And I heard about the program uh, through a friend of mine and uh, couldn't even believe it was true that it was five years of free school. And I was just uh, blown away by the, uh, the earn while you learn uh, that, that whole concept, because in college you learned and then you went out to work and uh, it was really a lot different than I thought it was going to be. So the fact that you get here and you're, you're learning on the job and it's exciting and you're learning theory at school and then you get to go to work and, and reinforce what you learned. And it was just uh, so much better than I even knew. I, I had no idea, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised by uh, what was going on there. And I have to throw in this also, my little brother's an electrician also. So it means a whole lot to be here for me and my whole family, really. Though that's awesome. Like, so I'm thinking, you know, you have this, these relationships that you've mm -hmm. built with apprentices. And so if you were going to tell apprentices from whatever JTC, AJTC they're at, 
um, to maybe help build a relationship with their instructors, what advice do you, would you give to that apprentice, you know, to say what a resource the instructor can be to them? Uh, as far as that relationship, I, I want my apprentices to know that uh, I'm, I'm a lot like them. I've gone through the program. I just know uh, more about electricity. And, and even sometimes they have prior learning where they know more about a subject than I do. But I really want them to understand that sense of community that we're all in it together. And I do everything that I possibly can for them to eliminate those barriers to learning. Uh, it's it's different because I'm teaching adults and there's a, a, a range of people. Uh, we have uh, adults that are 18 and we have uh, that are just coming out of high school. And then we have people that maybe had a, an entire career before they decided to get into the program. So uh, is that I really try to uh, help them to understand who else is in the class because really they're the greatest resources for each other. And uh, I'm always surprised to see uh, how many, uh, you know, all that diversity that we have in there. And I want them to get used to relying on each other, relying on themselves to find these answers. So uh, I, I would like to think that I'm a good resource for them. And I, uh, I have to say, I have a couple of stories where I've helped people to even uh, drop their car off to get it inspected after class. I, I've uh, picked people up on the way to school because their car didn't start in the morning. I have to say I've even made a house call or two along the way. I had somebody call me and say, oh, I just, I was trying to replace a GFCI and uh, it, it isn't going very well. And I could kind of hear that panic in his voice. And I said, do you want me to come over and, and help you? So he said, I'm not really sure if that was uh, the right thing to do or if that was right or wrong, but, uh, I really try to people, treat people like I want to be treated. So. Well, that's definitely not wrong. I'll answer that question now. That's definitely not wrong. It's, like, it's about as perfect as you can get. I was going to say one thing. A question I was going to follow up with is ask, all right, what would you tell other instructors how to treat apprentices? And you answered mm -hmm. the same question. Same same thing right there is how you want to do it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got my full-time job, I realized that I really needed to learn some more. And I, I don't know if you realize or if you have heard this or not, but I went back to school. I finished uh, my master's degree in adult learning and training a couple of years ago because I really, uh, I, was, I was flattered by the promotion, but I knew that I didn't know enough. And I had always taught upperclassmen and uh, to get the opportunity to catch them as first years, uh, I really wanted to give them the best experience that I could. And I also understand that today's student isn't the student that I was. So I knew that the way that I was taught wasn't going to be good enough for them. So I went back, I got my master's uh, and uh, fumbled through some of the technology, but it really made me better. Uh, and I'm still learning. I'm still improving, goodness, uh, every day and rethinking uh, how I could make it better. But uh, what I realized is uh, that, uh, again, treating them in a way that is stimulating and uh, that's respectful and that fosters that uh, want to learn more is really what is important. And uh, that adult learners are, are so much different than the, the child learner. So giving that uh, experiential lab 
uh, also is uh, what we're all about here. That's Again, the example about how to be a better instructor. I can't, I'm, you can't get better than that. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, it's so much, like, to listen to you, you know, so much about that relationship building and making sure you're, you know, giving and at your best for them. Um, and then probably it sounds like, to me, you would be a very transparent person, you know, someone that they learn they can trust. Mm-hmm. Um so I am certainly not perfect, and uh, there are plenty of things that I don't know, and that's okay. I make sure that they understand that this is a, a lifelong learning process, and it's okay that you don't know. And, and I have to tell you, and I probably shouldn't, but uh, there are some times that my students ask me, so how does that work? And I say, sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is, though. Sometimes it is. You just got to claim it. What it is. That may not actually be wrong. It's what I'm thinking. I like to have fun with my students, and uh, I'm very transparent, and I tell them that I've made a lot of mistakes because, unfortunately, that's how we learn, and those are the things that I remember. Uh, You know, obviously, we get a lot of stuff right also, but uh, it's part of the process. So uh, I let them make mistakes. And actually, sometimes it's a, a better learning experience when they do make mistakes, and then we can talk about troubleshooting. So uh, is that I, I hope that I'm very relatable. And sometimes I feel like I'm a 26-year apprentice when I talk to them. And, and truthfully, I learn as much from them uh, as they do from me, if not more sometimes. I totally agree. So I, I did want to ask you this, and this may not seem fair to put you on the spot with it, but we've had... Um, oh, no. No, no, don't don't be afraid. I'll, those questions aren't recorded. Um, but the like we've had JATCs and JATC, JATCs and AJATCs, um, training directors say, how do we retain instructors? Like, how do we retain a good instructor? How do we even find almost a good instructor? Do you have any maybe advice, suggestions to that training director who wants to provide the best atmosphere Mm -hmm. for the instructor and the apprentices? What I think uh, as far as the the keys to success for us is the diversity. Uh, We have new instructors and we have instructors that have been here for 40 years. Uh, So retention really isn't a problem. We Uh, We really all work very well together, but the fact that we have different strengths and that we're not uh, insecure enough to ask other people to come and help us or explain it even before class or or during class. So I I think that that's uh, one of the the keys there. And also, uh, I, I think that our training director, Paul Reinert, is just gifted at putting the right people together. Uh, whether it's instructors or the apprentices that he chooses for us every year, it's just uh, it's it's a it's my happy place. I I love working here. Um, again, I I went and got my master's degree not to get a better job because this is my dream job, uh, or not to get a, a raise in pay or or anything like that, but just to make the program better. And so uh, I said I, I don't know how Paul does it, but he does it. Uh, and then he gives us all of the materials and in uh, such support that it uh, it makes it easy to come to work. And that's not just for me, but we all feel that way. And we're friends, and we hang out together after work, and uh, we do things together between work. Sometimes we teach day school and night school. So 
uh, really the environment is such that we, we want to be here. So I guess maybe that's the key to it. Uh, create a good supportive environment for us. And There's some valid comments there as well. Mm-hmm. Make, make people able to live their passion at work and you're going to find a way yeah. to keep them what it goes down to. And relationships, exactly. right? Yeah. Like people can be yeah. themselves, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. diversity. We're all a little different regardless mm-hmm. um, of even some of the m- more common topics that we mm-hmm. think of or, or whatever with diversity. But mm-hmm. yeah, and building those relationships right. is, I mean, it's just, it's a major, major right. factor in that. And speaking of diversity, because you mentioned it, like what, as a woman in the industry, right, you've been an apprentice, and also an instructor, what do you say to women that are either currently in or coming into our, our industry? Any advice, I guess? So my advice would be to, uh, to, to give it a try, to believe in yourself. Uh, I wasn't sure that I was uh, what they were looking for. Um, and said, I waited until I was 28 to actually get into the program and uh, wish I had applied earlier, but uh, said, I, I didn't know enough about the program. And I, I thought, well, where am I going to fit in? And the truth is that we all fit in. That uh, was one of the best surprises about the whole experience for me is that uh, it, I, I do have skills, maybe that the guys don't have. Uh, I read directions. Uh, I like to talk to people. So uh, when I was out in the field, a lot of times they would be like, go ask if it's okay if we make some noise. Um, or could you see if it, uh, you know, if we could park there. So they would put me out there because I, I, I talk to people, I can communicate. And uh, so I, I think that that would be the first thing is uh, if this is something that you think that you want to try, go for it. Uh, we're not going to be uh, a barrier uh, to you in any way. There's not a fence up. We're not saying like, oh, we have enough women. Um, as a matter of fact, our numbers have gone up considerably. And uh, actually in my, uh, in my class today, I have four women in the class uh, and that's just out of 12. So uh, when I started, I, I believe there were 42 in my class uh, in my apprenticeship class, and there were two women. So uh, I would like to think that I'm part of the reason, uh, because if you see it, you can be it. Um, and so I would like to think that I'm influencing people that are in my class, and they're telling their their sisters and and uh, their their friends to to come in and give it a try. But it's uh, it, it's been just a, a remarkable experience. But uh, I do have to say that. I think that if you want to have a, a family, that it could be challenging because you have to be at work and our job is, um, it's, it's full time. Uh, so I, I know that a lot of my friends are looking for maybe part-time work or flexible work and, and we don't have the flexibility of a lot of jobs. Uh, you're not going to be able to work from home either. Uh, I know that childcare is challenging because a lot of our jobs start at 6 a.m. And where are you going to drop your kids off at 5 a.m.? Uh, so there's, there's that. Uh, we work a lot of overtime. And so we actually, uh, I, I, I learned a new word. It's called, it was, for me, it was presenteeism. Um, so uh, we have this need that we feel that we should be at work even when uh, we shouldn't. So during the pandemic where people thought, you know, I'm going to go to work sick, uh, you know, that's that we kind of have that drive to be there. So uh, 
uh, is that it's a 40 to 60 and, and sometimes more hour uh, a week job. So if you don't have that support system, uh, sometimes you have to make some tough choices. And so uh, I don't have kids. Um, I, I chose my career. So fortunately, I have a lot of apprentices that I see as, as my family. So uh, there's that. But uh, I said, I would like to, to think that I'm helping to uh, inspire. Uh, that would be fantastic because it's been a great career for me. And it's, it's really made me brave. I've done a lot of things that I never knew that I could. And thankfully, there are people out there that, that saw something in me that I didn't and uh, said, hopefully I'm inspiring people to find things in them or have family members uh, inspire them to, to do this. Well, I think you're part of the reason, right? You just said like, because you're there. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking the reason the numbers improve is because women see women. You know, we can see ourselves in the field. We can see ourselves in the classroom. We can see ourselves as training directors or or whatever um, other positions may arise. I just want to thank you. Like, thank you for, because being the instructor of the year, that's huge. I mean, that's like, how did you find out? So... Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know about the, the award. I didn't even know it was a thing. So it was a gigantic surprise. Uh, the, our business manager called me to his office and uh, I thought maybe it was about a volunteer opportunity or something uh, along those lines, or maybe a tour of the school. And uh, so he started telling me that I was nominated and I was so flattered. I thought, oh my gosh, how cool is that? Uh, and then he said, and you won. And again, I didn't even know how big this was. And uh, it's just been amazing. And I got to go to Washington, D.C. and accept the award. And uh, I have a, a video. Uh, so he said it, it was especially flattering because um, I just come here and I do my job. And I to, to actually uh, to, to have proof that somebody noticed uh, was really phenomenal to me. And I am just so honored to be a part of the program. And he said, it really isn't my award. It's for everybody here uh, because I, I couldn't do it uh, without the, the resources and the people and the support that I've gotten. That's so, see, I love that. I mean, not that there's any, there's nothing wrong with the person who knows about it and is wanting to get it. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but I love your story as well. You know, just just totally shocked by it. Yeah, so it was a total surprise. I didn't know that I was nominated. I I didn't know it was a thing. I was just going to work, and uh, I was I was just so flattered. Uh, And and then to win uh, was just ridiculous. What a surprise! Yeah, we can hear we can see enough here now. Hear enough now from you. We can tell you're not out of the park. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, remember this is the person that uses sorcery in class. That is why, though, right right there, right? You're fun, you're engaging, you're passionate. Oh, it's all of that. Yeah, so as far as teaching, I I really uh, strive to not teach them the way that I was taught. And we're very fortunate. We have so much more hands-on, and uh, we get to to prove uh, the the theory that we uh, are covering that day and get to get the meters in their hands and, and pretty much just anything because they are first year and everything's new to them. So uh, I really try to make it an entertaining experience. Well, Rachel, seriously, like, thank you so much for 
taking time out to chat with us. Thank you for what you're doing in the classroom and the example that you are to apprentices and instructors. Uh, you are you are certainly an inspiration to. And it rejuvenates us as well. Hearing somebody like you and the, the hidden locally, we like to hear that. Thank you. I, I totally, uh, I, I totally recommend the the teaching uh, thing. It really uh, it it helps me uh, as far as you know you you really know it if you can teach it. And uh, so it's kind of proving to me that I, I do get it, uh, but it is that great opportunity to give back. Like I said in the beginning, this has just been a remarkable experience. And, and I'd love to see really how far the, the students are going to go. Um, you know, like I said, uh, the, the learners that we have now aren't uh, the learners that we were. Absolutely. That was my selfish comment in the beginning. That was why I did is make sure I really know what it's all about me, not about the student. Once I started doing it, I figured, well, it's not about me. It's about them. You figured it out a long time ago. You yeah. got it. So we really emphasize that this is a, a learner-centered program and that it's about them, uh, which is uh, one of the big differences from when I was uh, on the other side of the desk. Well, thank you again. Yes. Thank you, Rachel, very much. Thank you. So, okay, so I'm curious, because I don't know much about the, like, IBW Hour Power voting and, like, how all that plays out. So, do you know it? Like, did you just, what do they do? Just call you? Um, it was my business manager. I got a call in, in middle of January. And he's like, hey, are you, are you sitting down? I'm like, well, I'm driving. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sitting. <laughs> and he's like, well, can you pull over for a minute? Because I really need to talk to you. Something, something, like, serious has happened. And I pull over, he goes, you're apprentice of the year. We're not even talking fifth year yet. Like how are, like, I, I don't understand. And he's like, no, no, you are apprentice of the year for the entire national and mm -hmm. international mm -hmm. for everything. You're the top apprentice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and he had to explain to me that the IO had chosen out of all the, every JHC submits a couple of people as an application. And they interviewed him based off of what he knows about me. And based off of the interview and the application process that they had chosen me. And I'm like, okay. He goes, you're going to go to DC. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I, just, I, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't really understanding what it was. It just was a fancy name. And what I learned later on was that this was the first time Las Vegas has ever had an apprentice for Apprentice of the Year. Oh my gosh, that's such a big deal. That's a big deal. A very big deal. So. As far as like, the process of it, I really don't know that much other than something in the IO chose out of applications from every JATC. That's correct. So. so it's nothing that you put, like you don't put your name in it. It's not like you're made aware of it prior no. to. It's mm. just like the, the training director they just contact you. The contest, correct. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Yeah, I had no idea that they even nominated me until Jim Halsey was on the phone with me saying, hey, congratulations. Cool. This is what it is. Oh like, my oh. That is, man, that had to be like overwhelming, right? A little bit? Yeah, it was because I didn't understand the gratitude of it until I was at the hall for the next journal meeting and they were announcing it and everybody's trying to congratulate me. And it was just so much so fast. And then interview after interview, and then it was like flying out to DC and then flying back and then going to the 40th convention. And it was just, it was a lot. That's 
huge. So how? So we know you got there, right? But how did you get into the apprenticeship? Like, how did that even come about for you? I'm curious. Um, it it was a long chain of events that led to it. So I um, when I was about 13 or so, my mom worked for Nevada Power as a meter ops director. And be, this is before they took away the meter ops department here in Vegas. And she would bring me in and I'd have to reset handhelds, reset the meters. Um, I knew how to pull apart a meter by the time I was eight years old. And so like, I always knew that. And then when I ended up going through college, I wanted to be a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Like, I really, I don't value the politics of being a teacher in Clark County School District. So then I went on to doing culinary and ended up running a store over at the Venetian for a while. And I was just run down. And the guy that I was with at the time, my husband, he's like, well, I'm a plumber. Why don't you be an electrician? Why don't you go union? Like you'd make way good money compared to what you're doing now. You're working 60 hours a week and you do 40 and make the same amount. And he, for probably about two years straight, he just kept pushing it, pushing it. And then I finally applied. And during the application process, we were surprisingly having a grant program at the JTC here in Vegas, where the government funded 20 minorities to sit in the classroom for 10 weeks and do the entire first first year curriculum. And then do two weeks on the job training paid. So it's like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take a leave from work. I'll try this out. See if this is what something for me. And I did the, the full 10 weeks. I'm like, ah, this is, this is rough <laughs> going through DC theory, math and conduct. I'm like, I don't understand half of what we talked about. And then we did the hands-on and it clicked. I was like, this is it. This is where I want to be. This has to be where I'm going. And I probably about six months later, I ended up getting the interview and the call saying, Hey, congratulations. You were accepted. We need you to come in and sign paperwork. So it was at least a seven year process for me to actually figure out this is what I wanted. That's, but you go back to being eight years old, right? You know, taking a, like who knew then? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's so, and then fast forward, right? Eight year old you to today, the apprentice of the year, you know, that's just like really like a wild story. And the funniest thing is that people that my mom worked with still work in Vocal 396. The president for 396, she actually knows, uh, Shannon, she knows my mom very well. And when she ran into me, she's like, you look familiar. And I'm like, (laughs) it was a a senator meet and greet, walk through Nevada Power, talk about solar. And we were there for solar side and she's looking at me and she's like, I know you from somewhere. And I, they're like, oh, that's the apprentice of the year. And she's like, no. And I'm like, do you know Tammy? She's like, oh my God, you look just like your mother. (laughs) Famous words, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you've mentioned really that apprenticeship isn't easy. I mean, you, you were specifically speaking about the pre-apprenticeship that you were going through, which is the apprenticeship. I mean, you're getting a piece of it. So how did you stay motivated or how are you staying motivated? Uh, For me personally, it was being involved, getting those mentors, meeting people that could keep you going and keep that drive alive in you, uh, having people that were inspiring rather than degrading. And I just Mm. surrounded myself by those individuals and I kept pushing forward and I kept joining more and more. And eventually it led to where I ended up. Very smart move, too. It's pretty exciting to hear about somebody who has that type of success in the industry. Coming not a traditional pathway coming in, which is very exciting. Yeah. So as you're thinking about 
advice, right? If you were talking to, okay, I'm going to start with an apprentice. Like if you're talking about talking to someone who says, mm-hmm. I'm considering this mm-hmm. pathway, like I'm, I'm, I've heard of the apprenticeship, I've heard of the electrical industry, what would be your advice to that person that's considering making an application? If they're just considering it, just do it. What's, what is it going to hurt? It's going to be a few hours of your time to do the application, get all the documents together and submit them. Come down for a test and an interview. That's a couple more hours. Let's say you get in and you find out, you know what, this really isn't for me. At least you tried, you tried. You did an effort to make your life better. And best case scenario, you find out that this is something that could be a career, not just a job for you at the end of the day. That's the message, right? That's going to be a career, not just a job at the end of the day. That's what we try to teach people to look at. So outstanding message as well. Yeah. Well, and you pointed out that it really, like, when it was just curriculum focused, it was it was overwhelming. And yet, once you got to put it into action, then it's kind of like when it all clicked, right? It, yeah, it lit, a, it lit a fire. It was amazing. So if you were advising, let's say, because, I mean, you're the apprentice of the year. There's a reason for that. So if you're talking to an instructor. I was going to ask her to advise directly as apprentice of the year. Yeah. yeah. Do. I, I mean, I, yeah, like, so we know what you're saying to the person that's thinking about applying, right? But the, and to me, you've already advised an apprentice is get involved. I mean, are those the things you would tell somebody that's a current apprentice, like get involved, seek help? Is that kind of what you were saying before? I want to make sure I don't put words in your mouth. No, that's exactly what I'm saying is when you have a system, cause this is, this is a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. There are so many people with a great heart that are here for each other. And if they don't know you, how can they reach out to you? How can they help you? How can they know if they don't know you? So just simply by reaching out to those mentors, building your community, just a little bit tighter, it makes the world of a difference because when you're doing it alone, you are standing so cold. And, and mm-hmm. when you have so many people around you, you feel the warmth, you get the, the advice, the hope and the drive to go with it because you have a community standing beside you and you're not just by yourself. Right. A great, great message again is too, just, just don't forget that. In other words, you are the mentor now. No, you're not the protege anymore. That's who you're going to be now. So just remember that message. <laughs> right. And it's being you. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. what's important. So we, we deal a lot with, we being the Electrical Training mm-hmm. Alliance, we talk a lot with training directors, um, we've got a lot of instructors that we interact with throughout the year and then at NTI. And so from an apprenticeship standpoint, like what would you, how would you advise them to best support the apprentices in their program? Like what would be something you would tell them? For support, be the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Don't be the one that just tears everybody down. Be what the one that builds them up and gives them something to strive for. Mm. If you have nothing but negative incentives, you're going you're gonna to kill the spark that the individual has. But as long as you keep feeding that spark, it's just going to keep growing and it can become something so much better. And if you put it out too fast, it's, that's when you start to have people guessing, you know, is this even for me? And I hate to see that. And it's just because they had one journeyman that they couldn't stand. But mm. if they find that one person, like for me, it was Frank Hudia. He had an amazing passion to teach. And by bringing that excitement and that drive to the classroom, he just brought that and gave it to everybody else. And I don't think I've come across anybody who's had anything other than inspiration from this man. Mm. And so someone like him, bring the, bring the passion. Right. So for those like, cause I think, you know, sometimes the instructors or the training directors, the staff, I mean, they can have tough positions, the committee. I mean, sometimes you're dealing with some, stuff that's unfortunately not always positive but it sounds like like when i'm hearing you talk mm-hmm. is 
there's still a way to encourage, right? There's a way to deal with, maybe it's a disciplinary issue, maybe it's someone who's struggling on the job or in the classroom, but there's still a way to motivate, is, is what I'm thinking I'm hearing you're saying. Like, there's a way to still provide that spark. The right, right attitude includes discipline as well. I mean, it's the sure. right attitude you have to take, no matter how you look at it. And trying to tear somebody down is not the answer. We know that right. for certain. So I always right. encourage you to write, showing somebody what they can accomplish, and you're a great example of that, too. Mm -hmm. Huge. So I do have a question for you. We're doing a lot, the IBW NECA and the Electrical Training Alliance, um, with DEI and B, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, you know, and one of those things is helping women, you know, that are interested, whether it's coming as an apprentice, right. it could be a woman that's already, you know, on a job site as a journey worker or a foreman or whatever. Um, but is there anything that, that you could think of maybe as far as whether it be just advice or something that we can do to support and help those efforts because we want people to feel like they belong. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right, is no matter who you are, what's your walk of life, you know, if you want to do this work, we want you to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Is there something specific to women um, but that we could do for those who may not always see themselves mm -hmm. in our industry? That is a very difficult question because I don't even know if ours is working. Um, we have a committee, it's the Women's Committee, we call it SO IBEW, it's Sisterhood of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Mm -hmm. And that has been a great support group for a few of us, but we still are trying to get the higher retention, trying to involve as many as possible so they have those connections and that backing and that community once again uh, that they can lean on and get that support because a lot of the times it's you don't find that familiar face that you're comfortable talking to. And that's the reason why you kind of, you segregate and you isolate yourself and then it's harder alone versus when we put these women together, I have so much uh, appreciation for this group of women. We have first year apprentices that are in their early twenties to women who have been in the trade for 20 something years to where there's such a diverse group of women who, if there's an issue, well, the person I normally wouldn't, I would go to, wouldn't probably understand this, but, Maybe Venice, who, who has been doing this for years, is ready to retire. She's seen a lot of things. Maybe she can help to where that's been a saving grace for a few of us. And I wish I could outreach to more, but so far we are limited to what yeah. we've been able to reach to. Uh, Melanie, I know that you're on the right path because it's, it's no doubt that having a, an organization to belong to, our brotherhood, sisterhood, and your sister's group referred to as well is no doubt um, – Beneficial for apprentices because I've always said the reason why we have a higher retention rate of those in our industry already, nepotism, call it what you will, uh, men that look like myself in our programs because, well, we know somebody. There's somebody that got us in the industry, know somebody, we have great friends, so we got to build more support groups around our minorities and women in our mm -hmm. programs such that they have the same opportunities. We have to do that. And I think it's a great step forward that Nevada's made, and I like to see other programs do the same. There are several other programs mm -hmm. doing the same thing. And that only helps with our retention because you have to have somebody you can call, talk to, work your way through the problems. And if you don't, you explain it better than ever can. You tend to pull into yourself, and you just try to conquer that on your own, and it's impossible. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't do that on your own. Yeah, we were not built, just no. people, we were not built to do things alone. I mean, even the most introverted and isolated of us still needs other people. And I spoke to a phenomenal woman um, in Atlanta who's a foreman. And man, I told her, I was like, you're getting on our podcast one day. But she was sharing just like kind of what you did, you know, just this idea of um, being able to go to people and she can share experiences and really even help like, okay, here's how to handle this situation versus that and being there to support. So I think you nailed it. I mean, just that idea of feeling like you're a part of community that's going to tell you the truth, people you can trust, 
you know, to have your best interests at heart, which means when they tell you the tough stuff, you know it's it's not you with some side agenda. Right, it's, it's yeah. for your own good. They understand that. And, and most people that get it would understand you got to trust that person first, though. Yeah. What he's down to. And there's some small groups, some support groups where that comes from. Absolutely. Well, Melly, we really, I mean, thank you mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. for spending some time with us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we're on different coasts, so that probably wasn't easy to uh to handle with your schedule, but I congratulations. I think I want to say that again. Um, I definitely want to say congratulations. Well earned, well done, uh, and something to be proud of as well. Not many, well, one a year. I mean, you think about it, one yeah. year. It's not many of us come through. So like one. I mean, really take that in. Of right. all the apprentices, it's only fifty thousand so we have this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, like, <laughs> like that's you know winning the lottery kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, that we're talking about. So that's huge. It says a lot about you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And yeah. when you put it in perspective like that, it's just mm -hmm. mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your humility comes through. Yeah, I mean, that's that's for sure. And I think that's... train the next generation, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. There we go. So some woman... <laughs> Yeah, like some woman's going to watch this, you know, or some eight-year-old girl is going to, you know, see this podcast and, you know, it could inspire. You just don't know. You never know, you never right? Know, yeah, you never know what your impact's going to have. And so thank you for everything. Yeah, we really appreciate you. Thank you guys so much. All right, Todd. What, what are your, what's going through your head now after those recordings and wow. chats? I mean, all I can say is, wow, first of all, you have two outstanding uh, award recipients here for our industry and they will represent what it is we're about and both female as well which I love that idea mm -hmm. as well which is outstanding but um, being instructor of the year and being able to bring that passion to the classroom and teach your apprentices and your apprentice that wants to be the apprentice of the year what a, what a great tool that is I mean to have that mindset understanding somebody who appreciates you for who you are and that's what stood out to me they understand the appreciation we have them. they're very, very humble both of them I love that discussion we have with them about their uh, awards but at the same time they understand it's not just about them Mm -hmm. uh, both of them understood that. It's, it's about our industry as a whole, and they really get it. And I really appreciate them for what they do and what they do. They've earned their award. Don't get me wrong, they've earned every bit of it. But understanding is about our industry and how uh, we showcase who we are. I love mm. that. Yeah, I, it was fun to me. Again, not that there's anything to take away from the person that knows about right. this this award, but it was just funny to me that both of them, basically, it's like they got called into the office <laughs> and had no idea why they were going to be there. And then to find out something as, as wonderful yeah. as this, I, I loved... Just for doing their job. Yeah. Right? Right. Under apprentice or instructor. Just, just doing, doing what job. you're supposed yeah. to do. And, and I think it's right. a, a good message to us. You know, you may it. not get the award, mm -hmm. but people are recognizing and people are noticing when we are doing what we're supposed to do. Okay. Um, so thank you again so much to Rachel and Melanie for hanging out and talking um, and sharing their experience, their talents, my goodness, their passion, just wow. fantastic. And big thanks as always to you, the listeners, for taking time to join us. Remember, I'll say it again, that we want to hear from you. So if there's topics that you think we should cover, if you're w willing to be a guest, um, just send us an email at saywhat, that's S-A-Y-W-A-T-T, at electricaltrainingalliance.org. Our next episode is going to be in October, and we are going to get to enjoy a fantastic moment from NTI where the IBW, NECA, and ETA Joint Task Force that's for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We had a whole panel session at NTI, and we're going to get to enjoy that as a podcast episode next month. Until then, stay connected with us through our newsletters, blog posts, social media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, and you can tell somebody about it. Um, stay powered up, and we will see you next time.
Say what?